Hello and welcome to the Empowered Women's Project, a podcast and community made by women for women to help you live your best life and reconnect you back to the things that really matter. Today, I am joined by beautiful and special guest, Yvette Peterson, as she shares her life's journey and some of the realizations that she has come to realize after the experience of being vulnerable or not. And I don't know about you, but you know, we hear the term, our vulnerability can be our greatest strength, but a lot of us can see it as weakness, whether it's, you know, the way we were raised as a child, whether it's certain situations where we've needed to be tough and strong. But I think as women, often it's easy for us to feel that if we are showing emotions, that that actually is a sign of weakness. And as you hear through Yvette's story, what she's been through and some of the realizations that she's had, you're going to learn so much, not only about yourself, your own journey, but how you want to show up in the world as a woman, expressing all emotions and realizing that it's all perfect. So I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. Let's jump in. Hey everyone, I'm really excited to have a beautiful woman joining us on today's episode of our podcast, Yvette Peterson. Welcome to the podcast, Yvette. Thank you so much, Kate. I'm really super excited to be here today. So Yvette, I, I'm really excited to hear more about your story because as we were chatting before we just hit record, um, just some of the lessons that, you know, many people have gone through crazy ups and downs in their life, right? And sometimes those ups and downs um, can stick with us for a while. And sometimes we can look back and realize that they have served us in some way or that person has served us in some way. But in the moment, it doesn't always feel like that either. And, you know, in the nature of our Empower Women's Project podcast, we really love speaking about the journey of life and the lessons that we learn. So I know you've got lots to share with us today and I'm really excited for that. Um, I would love you maybe to start start at the stars just so that everyone gets a little bit able to know you. Um, I know that you're not originally from Australia. So why don't you go back to when you were little? Sure. Um, Well, yes, no, I think my accent is a little bit like a stray dog. It depends where (laughs) who I'm speaking to. Um, But I'm originally from South Africa. Um, My kids, for the most part, are Aussies. And so that comes in a bit. And then my husband is American. So that comes in a bit. So (laughs) if if it wanders during the course of our chat, then that's what's going on. Um, But yeah, so originally um, born and raised in South Africa. Um, I immigrated to Australia when I was, um, oh gosh, I think... 30 something like that um with my ex-husband and um our child she was uh two at the time um and then yeah and then separated when we were here and and then met my beautiful husband brian who is absolute inspiration to me and then had um our little girl savannah who's 10 now beautiful so So, mama to two girls and two girls one who's 19 now and one who's 10 Amazing. And I know health and, and wellness is a really big passion for you and your husband, Brian's a chiropractor as well. So it's definitely your space um, that you love. And I, we were chatting before and I think vulnerability is an interesting topic, isn't it? Um, you know, where we're growing up, I know for me, um, I was in a family where it was pretty okay to share our emotions 
you know, crying, angry tears, whatever it might be. Um, but it's interesting because growing up with then my husband, his family is German and Yugoslav and emotions, you know, in that space is very, very different. And it's always interesting to me learning and hearing other people's stories of what childhood was like, what was allowed, what was normal, what, you know, what was frowned upon. And for you, um, with what you've shared with me growing up for you, vulnerability was just not a thing. Like you just were a tough little cookie. Am I right? Yes, and that, I guess that's followed me for most of my life um, to the point that I've realized in reflecting on talking today with you that I actually had almost a phobia around emotion mm. and, um, and showing emotion. And I think that's because I've always been a really empathetic person, a really intuitive child. Um, and so I feel other people's... Um, emotions both happy and sad really strongly mm. um, and so I guess um, I guess for me I have realized that for a lot of my life I avoided any emotion or emotional connection whatsoever to the point that I would even my wedding vows to to my husband Brian were purposefully um, the you know, the strict wedding vows. We didn't write our own because I did not want to cry. That was really important to me. Um, and even hugging my children, they always would go, mom, don't do the pat pat hug, which is literally I would hug them for three seconds and that emotion would become too much and I would pat pat and we have to move on. Wow. And so I kind of have avoided like no sad movies. I only watch uh, comedy and action. Like I literally tried to avoid emotion at any point in my life and I think that stemmed I guess from when I was little um, and again reflecting on this that, that I've really realized that throughout my life everything that kind of happened that in the moment was really overwhelming and difficult uh, set me up for something else so that I could cope better mm. and so I guess going right back I guess around the health when I was very little uh, and for most of my life, I haven't had very great health. Um, I used to have very, very severe ear infections. And so from, the, from as long as I could remember, I had these, I've had 14 pairs of grommets, blown eardrums, whatever. Um, I only have 60% of my hearing um, because of it. And so I think having that as a really little child, I learned how to take myself out of that pain to another place. Mm -hmm. And I would kind of like kick my legs really quickly or whatever and, it, and refocus my brain to somewhere else where I could, was away from the pain that I was feeling. Yes. Um, which doesn't sound great, but um, I also had quite a disciplined childhood. So uh, corporal punishment was a, a large part of, um, of my childhood and growing up. And so uh, with that, I kind of realized a few things. One, that there was no way to stay out of trouble <laughs> because um, I would, you know, things like, um, I get, well, I guess as an example, I used to have to like recite my times tables every day. Mm -hmm. If I got one wrong, I used to get punished for that. Uh, if I um, spoke a sentence and didn't put the person's name I was addressing at the end of the sentence, I would get punished for that. Um, all sorts of things. Anyway, there was no way to avoid that I couldn't I couldn't get away from it and also that nobody was going to protect me mm. there was no one that was coming to save me from that I had to kind of deal with it myself and so I think uh, as a little person um, 
and is still uh, in, in that space, I, there, there was, I, I felt kind of powerless. And the only way that I felt that I could take some power back to myself was to not show emotion in those situations. So mm -hmm. for me, I was like, it doesn't matter what happens. I will not cry. Right. That's my power. So kind of like um, not letting them win. Like you can't, you can't. Yeah, I guess. Back. Yeah. Right. And so that was my power. I will not, I will not cry. And so that kind of the thing that I learned with the ear infections really to take myself to a different place, helped me in that space where I would be able to control my emotion, take myself somewhere else, not cry. Um, but then I felt that because of the way that I was as empathetic as I was and intuitive about other people's emotions, that that got harder. And so I ended up building almost a, a phobia of uh, emotion. And, and I actually had, didn't cry for probably over a decade um, at all for any wow. reason whatsoever. Um, funnily enough, though, um, if I think of my childhood, I didn't have a sad childhood. I was still a happy child. Yes. I think my friends, some of them who I have now, still would not remember me as a, as a sad child or depressed child or whatever. I think I learned how to kind of <clears throat> compartmentalize my life, I guess, into different areas um, and, and find the things to be happy about uh, every day you know, in, in whatever was going on. And so, you know, I would be looking for things to make me happy, I guess, almost as an avoidance, because <laughs> I could like, you know, if I was happy, then that was great. And that's where I was. Yes. Um, and then, you know, if something, if something happened that, um, that I was not happy about, or, you know, that something happened that upset me, I could quite easily take myself out of that, mm. back to a happy place and, and move on and leave that behind. Um, can and I just so, say, I think that that, although you might look back and go, oh, you know, I, I didn't necessarily feel emotion and for that period of time, that was quite an amazing strategy that you set up as a young child to help, you know, dissociate from pain or from certain situations like that really would have served you in so many different ways. Um, it's just, I think when, when we live that for life versus for moments, then that's when, you know, it just becomes a muscle that we've used probably too much and then it becomes like normal. But I, I think, you know, as, as a little one, for you to have worked that out and found out how you can kind of, you know, win or, or have that control in your own space, that, that's really amazing. Yeah, I think, again, I think it was one of those things too that, even though in that time was hard, um, as I went on through my life, <clears throat> it served me again because I, um, I then, uh, my, my brother and my sister were born, so they are 15 and 16 years younger than me. <clears throat> and, um, and I met a man who I thought was lovely. Uh, I used to get flowers every week and lots of attention. And, you know, only later did I realize that it was really odd that this person knew where I was all the time. As soon as I arrived home, my phone would ring and my mom would go, that's really weird. But anyway, and I, I thought it was, he was lovely. And my parents then, um, some uh, tragedy happened within our larger family. Uh, and my parents decided it was not safe to stay in South Africa any longer. And so they decided to immigrate to Australia. And at that point, I was living with this, this man and had a really, really good job. Um, and so I wasn't dependent on my parents and I couldn't, I 
I couldn't, and at that point didn't think it was a great idea for me to immigrate with them. So they left for Australia and they left me behind. Um, I got married and only after that realized that the person that I had married had some pretty severe uh, mental health issues, I guess. Um, and so then life went on a completely different tangent where um, some days were amazing and we'd go for six months and everything would be great. And then like it, everything would just flip. And so um, without my family there, it was just me um, and I guess uh, my ex-husband's family. And so whenever anything happened and I would want to leave, um, I would get pressure from all sides in order to stay. And so um, my ex-husband, unfortunately, when uh, things get overwhelming, so if, if something happens and I'm going to leave now, uh, he, his emotions would cause him to have seizures. And so then he would be in hospital and then everybody would go, well, you can't leave now because mm. whatever. And so there was kind of years of uh, multi multiple affairs. I'm not even sure how many in the end. Um, guns going off next to my head, like crazy stuff. Um, I fell pregnant and had my daughter, who's 19 now, um, and realized that um, I had to get to my family because there was no way that I was ever going to be safe and my child was going to be safe, A, in South Africa, things were getting pretty rough, um, and B, um, my ex-husband had made it quite clear that if I had tried to leave with her, you know, something bad would happen to me uh, or my child would be taken away. And at that point, he, there were some pretty unsavory characters that he was around. And so I did not doubt that that was possible. Mm. And so, again, in that was that compartmentalizing my life because at the same time in my job and with the people that I was working with, some of them who I am still friends with now, a lot of people did not know what was going on. Mm. I was able to go to work. I was in a managerial position. I had a lot of people that I was trying to take care of. I was very young, uh, only in my early 20s, and a lot of the staff that worked for me and with me were a lot older than me and men. So controlling my emotions worked <laughs> in that situation yeah. because certainly back then, women in business, you can't be emotional, right? You have to be so I was that that worked. That was great. Um, and also, um, I was, still had to look for the happy in every day. So no matter what's going on, I've just found out that my husband's having an affair, but I can't leave and he's in the hospital and blah, 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 whatever's going on. Um, I still had to find the joy in every day and be order, in order to carry on because that's the, the goal, right? You have to keep moving forward. I guess is has always been my focus like okay that didn't work what's next so my parents managed to find an amazing uh, friend who was able to sponsor us to come to Australia um, and so we did and it didn't take a year before uh, my ex-husband was fired I guess from that position um, uh, I think some of the issues that that he struggles with and um, and just sometimes just I guess the way that he is um, it was not really happy working, mm. like is not, it was not a great thing. And then in order to stay in control of his emotions, plus the, you know, the womanizing and all that stuff, like it didn't work well, like, and anyway, so just before Christmas one year, um, he lost that job. And so we basically had a very short period of time to figure out what to do before immigration found out and we're out, right? Um, and in that time, I think is when he realized too, that if, that I was really, if I had left him, I would have to leave the country. Mm. That little switch 
reflect on. And so when we found a new sponsor, the behavior really kind of um, escalated um, because he knew I was really trapped there. I really couldn't yeah. leave. Even though my family was right there, I couldn't leave. Um, I'd have to leave the country uh, if that happened. And so um, I realized very quickly that another plan had to be made in order to make sure that my daughter and I were safe here. And so we found another way to get permanent residency. Um, and I was hopeful after the residency that we would be able to, things would change. Like I kept waiting for things to change, right? Because you go for, anybody who's been in a relationship with somebody like that will know that for a while things are really great. And when they're great, they're amazing. And then you keep hoping that, that whatever that thing is that they do is not going to happen again. Yes. Um, anyway, didn't take long before I realized that, um, well, essentially what happened was I, one New Year's, I went to, uh, we were not going to go out that night. Um, I suddenly felt really odd. I don't even know how I ended up in, in bed. Um, but at about midnight, was woken up by a friend of mine texting me and realized that he had drugged me um, in order to go out with one of his girlfriends. So he'd made me a drink and said, oh, you know, we're going to have a happy New Year, whatever. And from that point, I don't remember anything. And so I realized then, okay, like this is going to get at some point this is really going to go bad you know what i mean so um yeah so eventually essentially what i did was i just at that point went okay it's never going to change um we we then got our immigration um, permits we were able to stay i asked for um a copy of the mobile phone records and there were like hundreds of calls and texts to um, another person and so I was like, okay, that's it. I'm out. I'm gone. And I moved into my parents' house. And my parents um, were, my dad really is the only person, I guess, that could stand for me in that time, um, which is interesting because that also kind of was the switch in our relationship, myself and my dad. Um, and so now we have an incredible relationship, I guess, and um, I love him very much. He will do anything for my kids and myself. Um, but anyway, so I moved in with them. Um, and, um, and again, even though things were really difficult, um, you know, my ex-husband was not giving up easy, didn't for very many years. Um, I was still able to move forward. And, I, and again, I think all those lessons that I learned in my childhood really just around something that I still do. It's just being grateful in every day for, for finding the little things, you know, that you can be joyful about. Um, and yeah, and just looking for those blessings just in everyday life, because there's so many of them all over. If you look for them, sometimes you just have to look a little harder. Um, anyway, so that happened. And then um, I was working for my parents. Um, I didn't go back into the original position um, that I had had in South Africa. I'd been working for my folks. And my mom, um, I don't know if she read the book or she watched the movie of The Secret. Mm -hmm. and so she, the one day, it wasn't a very busy day. And she came and said, oh, we're going to write a, a, a list of, of, this, of this man that we're going to find for you. And I was like, mom, I'm not looking for anybody. It had been uh, two years mm -hmm. uh, that I'd been single, hardcore single, like not even looking guys in the face. Like there's, you're not going, 
don't ask me out for dinner. I didn't want to be one of those single moms who like every few months is a different person through your kid's life or whatever. Like I wasn't, that was not going to be me. And so I simply just didn't date anybody. Um, and I think too, I was just so grateful to have a place that was mine for the first time because I literally moved out of my parents' home in with my ex-husband. Yes. So this was the first time I had a place that was my sanctuary um, and where I could come home and there was peace. Mm. And I, so for me, like peace was massive to find that quiet space where um, I didn't have to worry about anybody else. Nothing could, could affect that. It was in my little bubble with my child. And I wasn't really keen on anybody, you know, coming into that at that point and not having to like pick up after anybody else or whatever. So that I was really protective anyway. So she said, we're going to make this, this. So I was like, okay, fine. And so it was just a joke. Like literally she, we wrote like, okay, he has to be uh, tall, at least over six foot. He has to be ambitious. He has to love cooking. He has to be a professional. Um, he has to be funny. He, like all the stuff that we kind of wrote down, um, he has to love the ocean. Like it was all the stuff. And right at the bottom, my mom said, okay, well, I'm going to write, he has to be blonde because every person you've ever dated has had dark hair. And I think we're done with that now. So this person <laughs> has to be blonde. And I went, mom, that's ridiculous. Like I've never been attracted to anyone who's blonde. Like that's not going to happen. So she puts it on the list. And it wasn't two weeks later that my husband now walked in. Oh my God. And he was setting up his new chiropractic clinic and he was looking for office furniture. And so I actually, just after I left school, studied interior design and so, and worked in that for a short time. So I ran all the office furniture and setting up people's offices and getting stuff built and whatever. And so um, he came in and I was showing him some stuff and I was refusing to look at him in the face <laughs> at all. And <laughs> And Tracy Chapman came on the stereo and, and he went, oh, do you like Tracy Chapman? I love the song. And I went, oh, yeah, me too. And I looked up and I looked at him and we can both remember like that moment that we looked at each other and we both remember the song and it was like a bomb had gone off. Mm. Like it was just that, like I've never had that before. And so I got goosebumps. he came back twice that day. He told me that um, he didn't have a fax machine or an email that I could send his quotes to <laughs> to come back. Um, and so it probably took us about, I don't know, eight months to actually go on a date, I guess. But he was coming back all that time. My dad thought it was fabulous because he was scoring <laughs> big time financially off this clinic that was being set up. <clears throat> and um, so, yeah, so that was how I met my husband. And um, yeah, he's been such an absolute blessing. Um, in my life, and then a couple uh, a couple of years later, uh, we got married, and then we had Savannah, our daughter, and it, she wasn't four weeks old, and um, she had a really really high fever, and something just didn't feel right, and so I took her to the doctor, they rushed us to the hospital, um, and it turned out she had bacterial meningitis, and so we're still not sure how we how she got it. Um, the first thing they asked me originally was. Do we do we have snakes or um, or lizards or something that we that we look after? Mm. Because supposedly they carry salmonella, and and I feel because it's it was it's a moment that's such a passing moment, but I still remember it so clearly. I was taking my elder daughter to school, and I was carrying Savannah, and a drop of water dropped from 
the roof of my parents' house into Savannah's eye. And I can, I mean, it's such an arbitrary moment, but I remember it so clearly. And only after they said that did I remember that my parents had carpet pythons. They lived in like a forest area on the roof of their house. And I think that's how she got it. But anyway, so that started like six weeks of um, Lamba punches. And, um, and I mean, she's only four weeks old. Like she was teeny. Mm. Eight doses of antibiotics uh, intravenously. Um, she also got bronchiolitis while we were in hospital because even though we were in separate rooms, I think perhaps one of the nurses may have brought it in from moving along through the ward. So couldn't breathe plus all of this. And again, those lessons from childhood came into play um, and my, my marriage where I could not break down. I could not fall in a heap. Like I had to be strong. I had to keep going. Um, I couldn't get involved in the what ifs or the statistics of kids in that situation. Yeah. Um, and so I just focused on right now like what is happening right now what do we need to do right now mm. um, and so we just made that a space like my strongest memory is really um, Savannah she had to get a tube put in <clears throat> for her antibiotics to be put in directly into her chest um, and she came out of that and that was her first smile and that's what I remember wow. and the little room that was so peaceful we had soft music playing for her all the time and she still if she struggles to sleep she puts that same soundtrack on and she's 10. Wow. So somehow that I feel that feeling helped her heal I think. Um, she's one of the only babies that we know of that not only came out of that with no damage because um, we had to check for years that she wasn't going to be deaf and all sorts of stuff, but also came out fatter than she went in. <laughs> like she grew <laughs> during that time. And um, I can just remember the peacefulness of her and I being together in that space. Brian was amazing. He came every single day to the hospital around his work, every lunchtime, every night he slept there. Um, and And so that's what's really strong for me in my head is that moment of family and being together um, and, and I know for him, it was really stressful because he was looking at statistics and, uh, you know, all that stuff. <clears throat> but I was not. I was just focusing on the day and the now and what are we grateful for today uh, and what routine are we doing today? And that's and, so powerful. I think just for, for anyone going through struggle at any point in their life, all we have is right now. And like you said, you can't. You can't go and run the, the story of what if and what could happen and because not a lot of good is going to come from that. It's it's finding small pockets and moments of gratitude and and just all you can do is give presence and love in that moment and, and keeping strong. And I can imagine there were probably many times that you just wanted to fall in a heap, but you there was a bigger reason and purpose for you to like to be strong for your little one and it's just amazing. Yeah, I think... Well, I think in a way, yes, and in, yes, I mean, yes, it's amazing. I, but also, I think <clears throat> by that point, it had become almost impossible for me to fall in a heap. Sure. It wasn't a thing that was part of, of what I, like, I often hear other women say things like, um, you know, I just, I locked myself in my cupboard and I just cried, you yeah. know, or I've never done that. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's not something that's part of what I know how to do. If I ever felt to be in that space 
I could only be there for a very little time. And then I go, well, this isn't helping. Like, this isn't serving anybody. You, you know, stop being silly. Move on. Like, let's go. What's next? Like, you know what I mean? Yes. And so, um, yeah. And so I, that was, it was something that just wasn't part of, uh, of who I, of what I'd learned, like my yeah. whole life. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, again, the next big challenge, uh, I guess, for us, because things, things went on, Savannah got better. Uh, her and I have struggled quite uh, substantially with our health uh, through the years. But I guess in the last two, last two years, um, we found a way that our, our health is now amazing. Our immune systems are amazing. Uh, we've just celebrated our two years of health uh, yesterday, which was very cool because neither of us have been sick. So that all went on great. However, this is where my little, um, my little walls that I'd built up got challenged because uh, in my daughter's uh, 16th, 17th year, um, she's always been a really sporty, happy, funny kid. Um, and suddenly overnight, we went from that um, to literally being in the mental health unit of a hospital with her very depressed out of like, it's seemingly nowhere, mm. like just hit like a, a freight train. Um, and I went from having a child that I had a really close relationship with who I thought I knew everything about and every nuance of her personality to someone who I did not know at all mm. and who I couldn't connect with. Um, and so a child that I, you know, used to, I mean, now she does <laughs> and she's 19, sit on my lap, like literally and just, you know, some of those kids, they get to high school and they won't hold your hand or, yes. you know, whatever. She was never that, right? She was just all over me more than anything else. I couldn't touch her suddenly. Like, and so that, um, those kind of walls that I'd built where I struggled to feel emotion became such a barrier in me understanding what she was going through because mm -hmm. I could not relate um, my mom once said to me, I think is that you're immune to depression because if you've never been depressed with everything that's gone on, clearly you can't be. And I don't know whether that's true or not, if anybody's immune to that, but it certainly made it very hard for me to understand yeah. because I was just like, well, no, you can't just lie in your bed with the windows and doors closed. Like, get up, let's go. Like, let's move on. You know, yes, that sucked. Okay, let's move on. And that didn't work mm -hmm. for her. It just didn't make sense. And I, so that was my first kind of little light that maybe this thing that I developed around myself wasn't going to serve me anymore in the space that I was in. And so um, even now, although I, I really struggle to understand depression and mental illness in general, even though I've lived with a few people over the years that struggled with it, um, I had to start opening that empathetic side of me again, where even though I don't understand, I can, I still get you and it's still okay. And we can still talk about it. And so there was a lot of um, realization there that she had not told me a lot of things because she didn't want to upset me. She was protecting me the whole time. I'm like, no, I'm supposed to be protecting you. Like, you know, and so <clears throat> there was a lot of, me trying to figure that out and her trying to figure that out. And um, again, as Savannah and I have gotten better over the last few years, um, and my elder daughter has too. 
And so although she was on um, quite a lot of medication at one point, which we were not super happy about and looking for um, other healthy ways to help her, um, she now is no longer on any. Um, she's studying to, in her passion job of being a paramedic um, and, and coping with life really well. She has a couple of jobs. She just goes to uni. Um, she is, again, her happy self. Um, sitting and, on me. <laughs> yeah, and sitting on me <laughs> again. Yes, which I love. And she's, I mean, yeah, she's still hilarious. She's 19 years old. She still asks me if she can go out with her mates on the weekend. Oh, that's gorgeous. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, I don't know why I ask you because I know that you, if, like, I'm 19. I shouldn't be able to. But anyway, she still does. And I still, I still say, yes, you may, as if I have a choice in it. Um, but yeah, so she's amazing. Um, and then, so that was my first little hint that this was not working, not serving me anymore. And then I started because of the health journey I'd been going through with myself and Savannah, I started um, getting more into health coaching and coaching others. And again, I found myself, um, a lot of my focus in those sessions was about uh, staying in control of my emotions because people come to you for health coaching and I found very often they'll come to you for weight loss. Mm -hmm. for, for example, their health is trashed, but what they're concerned about in the moment is their weight, yeah. but it's never about the weight. There's always a story. There's always a reason. There's always a, you know, something deep underlying that's around that. And in trying to help them find that, you know, there's always strong emotion around that. And so I realized I was struggling. I was focusing so much on trying to keep myself in check mm -hmm. to not cry as soon as they cried um, that I couldn't help them as much as I wanted to. And so I had to, again, open up a little bit. Um, at that point and then I found you case <laughs> and then you and Anthony came into my life um, and all the other amazing women that we work with every day and again um, a lot of those people um, the whole thing that, that we do is about connection mm. and about building relationships um, and about understanding people and about you know, being able to get where they're at so we can work with them. And again, that's really hard to do if you're not open um, emotionally to do that. And so I think the first thing that made me realize that being vulnerable was not a bad thing was I, uh, I did a Facebook Live. We were going to do a Tough matter, right, me and my husband. And so with my health, I've had Ross River fever and glandular fever and my joints. Oftentimes, Brian would have to even cut my food for me because I couldn't do it myself. Um, and so we started training for this Tough Mudder. And for the first time I was training and I was not getting sick. And um, so I decided I was going to do a Facebook Live. It was not something I was really, um, something that I was used to doing, but I'd done some push-ups and I was able to do them. And I was super excited, my wrists were in sore. And so I did this Facebook Live that started off with me being super excited about being able to do push-ups. And then I just started crying on Facebook live <laughs> and, and I'm like, what, what do I do? Like, do I just switch it off? But there were all these people who were already watching me crying on Facebook and it was like my worst nightmare. I was like, here I am, like here's this vulnerability, but I'm doing it publicly in front of all of these people. This is horrendous. And I was so ashamed and so embarrassed. 
But the messages and the connections that I made from that one Facebook Live were mind-blowing to me. I was like, I don't understand. Like, these people are not going, what a weirdo, <laughs> is Yvette. They were like, I get it. I feel the same way. Like, I've had that too. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, how did, whatever. All these questions, all this love, all these connections, and none of them were saying, oh, how weak are you? Do you know what I mean? And so... I realized then and through, um, I guess, our Empowered Women's Project that, and the, re the reason for that is because you're encouraged to do personal development, right? It's a personal development course in itself, just being part of the Empowered Women's Project. And so just digging deep into those feelings, forcing myself into that place, um, and it's and I say force because I think sometimes I really had to because um, it was very scary for me, um, has been such a revelation. And being able to find vulner that vulnerability is, a, is such a, a huge strength. Mm. And the, the kind of in, intuitive spirit that I have and empathy that I have for other people is not a weakness. Mm -hmm. um, has just been... Yeah, a complete change. And I think even my closest friends who, bless their heart, when they first met me, um, thought I was a complete cow because <laughs> I, I would go and I would do my stuff and I would drop my child off and I wouldn't really speak to anybody. I would smile politely, but I was very controlled and I was very, you know, put together. And, you know, and one of them kind of went, I don't think she's a cow. I just think maybe she's shy mm. let's invite her for coffee again um just that and suddenly they were I was like oh I didn't even realize that's what people were thinking yes. of me yes um and so bless their hearts they're my best friends now um and they will say that over the specifically over the last two years I'm a completely different person mm. to who, who I used to be I cry on Facebook regularly <laughs> I think it's, be, it's become my thing. Um, and I think that's because I'm still learning. I've gone from like controlling my emotions completely to opening that door and suddenly there's like no control. <laughs> what, my, my children say that my heart's too close to my tear ducts. Oh, I love that. that feels, just it comes out. And it's, I'm okay with that now. And yeah. I think for me the lesson has really been like that you have to – you have to use the tools that are in your arsenal, you know, um, what, what you've learned through the years and through the bad times or the good times, all those things that you're, that you're learning as you grow um, until they don't serve you anymore. Mm. And then you have to, you know, sit for a minute, revise, rethink, um, and, and then find a new way forward and so I think that's really what I've done something that I, I heard once was um, and I'm pretty sure it was we were in Vegas together and somebody said you never lose you either win or you learn yes. and I was like wow yes. that's true it's like even in the darkest of times you may not be winning but you're learning you're learning something mm -hmm. um, and the universe is always teaching us yeah or, you know, whatever it is, the universe or God or however you work around those things. But um, 
in general, it always has your back. You know, I think if I hadn't been through the difficult times, if I hadn't met my ex-husband when I had, uh, if I hadn't gone through all of that, I would never have been in the place that I was when my husband walked in. Yeah. I would have been somewhere else. If I'd have come with my parents before, I would have been somewhere else. Like if anything different had happened, I wouldn't have been there. And that was like, that was one of those massive turning points in my life where everything flipped and changed. And I wouldn't have been there if things hadn't taken me the way. And if it hadn't been for the lessons through my childhood and, and through, uh, you know, through my first marriage, I wouldn't have been able to cope when my child got sick. Yes. Um, and so it's just those things that they just, you know, that, that life kind of guides you through and there's ups and downs, but there's something to learn from everything. Mm. Um, and there's a, there's a blessing and a, and a silver lining in everything, no matter what it is. I love that, event, And I, I, I love the saying that life happens for you, not, not to you. And your vulnerability and just sharing your story, most of which I had no idea about, may I just say, like you, you've <laughs> been through so much, but just the way you've seen the beauty and the lessons along each of those paths. And maybe in that moment, of course, when things were happening, of course, you didn't see it that way, but just to be able to look back and see it all, like, I just want to honor you and thank you for your honesty and and your vulnerability, because I know you've got me thinking about many things in my life, as I'm sure um, the same goes for our listeners. And I have a question for you, because I remember when I did first meet you and I definitely got a hug with a pat pat. Like that was, that was very much. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. I love, you're a hugger. You, uh, you were just, there's so much love and emotion in you. I love to know what's, what's changed over the last few years, particularly with you and your girls, because I think about, you know, we obviously, our, our children are always watching us. They're always, they don't do what we tell them to do. They do what we do. And so it, it can be easy if we grow up with a certain influence in our life, whether it's a parent or someone significant, if there are a certain way to us or around us that we might either emulate that or we rebel against it. Um, so what's what's changed with you and the girls since you've started to become more okay with your own emotions and vulnerability? Um, I think my children are a lot more open with me. Mm. Um, I'm a lot more open to sharing um, the bad things with the good, yes. I think different for each child because my children are such completely different ages. Yeah. Um, I think um, my children know that I love them very much because even though I thought they knew, and I think they mean that they've always known that I love them very much. It's not something that I used to say a lot. Yes. Um, because it made me emotional about how much I love them. And so um, I was always, although I think both my girls always knew I would do absolutely anything for them, I was always slightly standoffish to a point, mm -hmm. I guess. And so now um, I think we talk about everything. We talk about good days and bad. I'm more uh, open to sharing my stories of when, you know, things were not, uh, I may have made a mistake as well. Yes. Um, I'm much less judgmental. Um, I'm also, um, I think for my eldest daughter, I tried to keep her to very different standards. I was like, you have to 
do your homework. You have to try and like, I was always trying to make her a better person than I thought I was or whatever that was and make her what I expected her to be, mm. not who she was. Right. And so I think now both my kids know that whoever they are, whatever that looks like, whatever they want to do, whichever way they want to go in their life, I am completely okay with that, mm. with them as they are. Um, you know, the, the good and the bad days and the emotions and the whatever, they don't have to hide anything from me. I might get sad in a moment, but it's okay. And that anything that happens in our lives, we can figure it out. Like together as a family, there is nothing we cannot figure out. Like, nothing is not figure outable. So I think that's really helped because now we kind of can talk around things much more openly. Mm. Sometimes I wish less openly, <laughs> depending. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, we have a really beautiful open relationship. Um, I love that. And yeah. And so we still like my, you know, my 19 year old daughter and I, we speak a few times a, a day, even if she's not home she you know and um and we have a really beautiful close relationship and I like yeah I love my kids that's so special both amazing kids for for the woman that's listening right now who maybe still feels like she's living life with her guard up what would be I don't know something she could do a book she could read something she could listen to that could just help her start to take the first few steps to being okay with letting those emotions be seen by maybe someone else where maybe that in the past they wouldn't have done that. What would you say to her? Um, I don't know about a, a book or a podcast, but I, what I would say is really important is to, to really take that time every day. And it sounds glib because it's being thrown around so much at the moment, but to really take time every day to find joy somewhere, to look for the joy and to look for the blessings. And I think if you're somebody who is in a situation where you still have to keep your guard up to be okay with that right now, yes. but to still look for those people where that you feel that you may be able to trust and may be able to speak to and just try and open yourself a little bit because it's not something that happens overnight. It's really a gradual process. And I think for people that are still living in that situation, it's survival mode and that's cool. Um, and so I think it's just to find those people for me, my husband, one of my best friends who are, who see you and you feel I can, I can open a little here and, and feel it out. And I would really say, if you see that path, then take it in that moment. And for everybody, that's going to look a little different. Amazing. Well, Yvette, I, I cannot thank you enough for sharing your story and so many pieces of wisdom throughout that and just the lessons that you've learned about yourself um, and how I love what you said about every part, it serves you to a point and then you have to be ready and willing to evolve and to let maybe the things that did you did use and do to protect yourself or survival move through challenging times, be okay to let go of that and be ready for that next evolution. And, and just seeing, you know, the relationship that you have, the care and compassion that you have for other people is just so inspiring. And I'm just so grateful for you sharing with us today. Thank you so much. 
Thank you, Kate. Thank you for allowing me to share it. Wow. Isn't she just a total sweetheart? I had no idea of about half of what she shared on today's episode. And just seeing the, the woman that she is, the care, the love that she has for others, but also being okay, knowing that in our past, where there's been times where we might have had to put our walls up for whatever reason, seeing that as an evolution of ourselves and just sometimes we might hang on to those things a little bit longer than we need to and I just love the way that Yvette shared her story and her vulnerability and some of the things that she's been through which you know no woman should have to but being able to see the good find the good look for being what she can do to stay present and you know be in the now and have that beautiful relationship that she does with her own family is just so special so I hope that you had some takeaways from today and I love to hear your feedback um, to be able to connect with Yvette you can follow her at the tribal mama m-a-m-a on instagram and also we'll pop her other details into the show notes but i really hope that you take away from this that the way you show up the way you share your emotions find those people that are in your life that you can lean into that do have your back if you might feel like you're in a situation at the moment where you do need to have those walls up look for people around you that you can at least lean into that little bit and know that it's only a temporary situation and in time life will always show the beautiful lessons that it does so thank you so much for listening and we look forward to connecting with you on a future podcast have an amazing day